0: only doing two verses today? No, we're not going to only do two verses. Just one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, uh, what you have here in in Matthew chapter 7 is really this uh, introduction to the finale of Jesus' Uh, sermon that he has been giving since the beginning of chapter five, in talking about the blessed life, and this is a, a, a summary of how this all needs to play out. And as much as I would enjoy taking it paragraph by paragraph for four more Sundays, really from verse thirteen to the to the end of the chapter is a single unit of thought an explanation uh, of these two verses right here. That we would enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide that, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. Already, as you think about what Jesus says in this part of his sermon, is so contrary to the thinking and the teaching of our culture. Because our culture says the way is wide and easy to life. In fact, not only is the way wide and easy to life, but there's all kinds of roads and paths and ways that are going to lead to life. And the the way to destruction, that is a very narrow, hard road to actually go down and, and few find it. And I want you to be struck by what Jesus says here. That he really lays out something that, that is fairly stunning, I think, not only in his day, but also in our day to say that the way to destruction, that path of life is not only wide, but many find it. There's a lot of people who are going down the road and they are going down a path that they may think leads to life. But actually, it is leading to their destruction. Not only that, he says that the way and the path that leads to life is narrow and it is hard. And I want you to think about what he's getting at here when he says this important fact. It is hard. The way to life is hard. It's not easy. It's not natural. It's not obvious. It's hard. Now, one of the things I think that's important about letting that sink in for a minute is that if you are finding your journey with Jesus difficult, there's nothing wrong with that. The way to follow with Jesus is hard, is what he says. It's not easy. It's not simple. It's not convenient. It's very, very difficult. And I think one of the things that then should resonate as you think about Jesus saying these words and bringing us this this point is that then if I am finding my walk with Jesus easy, then I might be doing something wrong. If I just find it to be wide and broad and easy and convenient and comfortable, then I might actually be fooling myself into thinking that I'm on the narrow path. And in fact, I might be actually on the broad path. And one of the good things that Jesus does here is he doesn't drop these two sentences in verses 13 and 14 and then walk off and say, hope you figure out if you're on the narrow or if you're on the broad path. But the rest of this sermon is an explanation of that. It really is going to illustrate, now, here's what that looks like. And he's going to then encourage us to then walk on the hard path. Because you might read that and go, well, why do I want to go the hard way? I don't want Nobody signs up for the hard path. I want the easy path. I don't want to go the way of difficulty. So he's going to show us why we would want to do that and what that looks like in our lives. The first thing that he shows us, you'll notice in verse 15, he says, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So I want you to notice the first thing Jesus says is you need to watch out for words. You need to watch out about what people say. And I think that is interesting because In Jesus' day, and now 2,000 years later, the same problem exists. There's a lot of fake religious people and a lot of fake religious teachers. That's what he just described right there. Watch out. There's all kinds of false teachers, all kinds of false prophets, all kinds of people who are saying spiritual things, saying spiritual words, seem to be saying the right things. And I think it is interesting that he pictures that because sometimes we can struggle with that and go, well, there's so many people saying different things about God and about Jesus and about the way of life and what it's supposed to look like. And Jesus going, you know, that's the same in my day. And there's all kinds of people saying all kinds of things about what the way of life looks like and what's the way of destruction. And there are many who are saying these kinds of things. And uh, I hate this. But there's going to be a lot of false leaders, a lot of false shepherds, a lot of false teachers, a lot of false ministers. There's a lot of people who are going to stand before you and say all kinds of things that sound like they're spiritual and right. But he says they're false. In fact, he calls them wolves in sheep's clothing coming in to destroy the flock, these ravenous wolves. And I want you to notice what Jesus says. How are we ever going to know with all of these different voices and all of these different people and all these different prophets and leaders and all of that? How are we ever going to know if we are supposed to follow them and listen to them? And you'll notice he says, and not only in verse 16, but also in verse 20, you will recognize them by their fruits. He says, well, here's how you can sort out who's false and who's not. And he points out that he says here, you've got people who are going to say all kinds of things, but you're supposed to look at their life and see if it matches up. One of the things that always cracked me up is uh, there was a person who would give me a ride when I was a teenager, but didn't have my driver's license, I had my permit and he would uh, give me a ride home from church back to my, my mom's house in Alpine. And so it's like a 20 minute drive and he would always tell me this, drive as I say, not as I do. <laughs> I was, you need to listen to how I'm telling you to drive and not drive the way I am present, presently driving. And I want you to see, Jesus says, that doesn't work in the spiritual realm. You can't have somebody say, Do as I say, but not as I live. You need to do all this, but I'm not trying to follow what I'm saying whatsoever. That's what he says twice over. You will recognize them from their fruit. And he illustrates that when he says, good fruit doesn't come from bad trees. And bad fruit doesn't come from good trees. That there is supposed to be this desire of attempting to live By the very words that are spoken, that it is not just simply, well, if you're in Jesus day, I'm the the rabbi or I'm the prophet. And yeah, don't look at my life, but just do what I say. Or if it's in today's world. Yeah, I know what, what my life looks like, but just do what I say. He says that doesn't work. You're going to know who is false by their actions, by their fruit. And so he warms them with that very picture. In fact, God has always been concerned, not merely by what we say, but what we do. And you even think about that in the qualifications that we see for the elders, the shepherds in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And if you think about the qualifications that are listed there, you will consider that the list of qualifications is not merely what do they say. It is always how do they live their life? That's what you're observing. You are looking at how they live their life in the world, in the church, in their family. And those are the observations that are being made. The point being, it is always mattered to God about actions It's not about just being a teacher and saying what the scriptures say, but living what the scriptures say, trying to apply those things first to your life. In fact, I always crack up because you if you come out to me on the porch afterward, and you come to me and you'll sometimes say, man, that really stepped on my toes. You want to know how I was able to step on your toes? (laughs) Not because I knew it was in your life. Because it was right here. And I was able to see it in my own life and went, well, here's the problem. And then you all resonated with that and went, yeah, me too. And that's the whole point is that the word is supposed to be not to, hey, everybody out there. you got It's got to be lived. And that's what he's saying here. He says, you will know this by their fruit. You will see it in their actions. You will see it in their life. Are they living what the word of God says? Because ultimately it is the actions that reveal the heart. Your actions reveal what's inside as much as we would like to pretend and say, oh, no, I'm, I'm a really good tree, even though I've got all this bad fruit. God says that's not possible. You can't say the insides all clean and great. And here are all these awful actions. It doesn't work that way. We like to pretend that way. I always crack up at that. Oh, no, he, he's actually a really good kid. Yeah, I don't know about that. I really don't know about that. The, the, the fruit reveals the heart. It reveals what's inside. You can't say, oh, ignore my actions. I've got a really good heart. It doesn't work like that. Good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. And so you can't just simply stick a spiritual sticker on it and go, yeah, yeah, I know, but, but, but I, I, I'm teaching spiritual things. You have to live it. It is more than words. It is much more than words. It must be lived out. And that's what Jesus begins with. If we're going to then find the narrow path that leads to life, it is way more than just saying words. In fact, you will notice that's exactly where he goes in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I am always astounded by everything that is in that paragraph. That to me is an astounding paragraph. Not everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is entering the kingdom of heaven. That's the very first line. Not everyone who says his name and calls on God is entering the kingdom of heaven. And I think this is important for us to consider. Just because you say you're a follower doesn't make you a follower. You've probably encountered that. Or people who say, oh, I'm a follower. You scratch your head and go, yeah, I don't know about that. I'll apply the prior paragraph about good trees and good fruit. I don't know that that actually matches up. Just because you say you're a follower doesn't make you a follower. Just because you think you're a Christian Doesn't mean you're a Christian. But here's what's even more surprising. Verse 22. Just because you do religious things. Doesn't make you a follower either. Verse 22 to me is stunning. Here they are doing spiritual works. And they're doing good things. You would read this and go in verse 22. They're prophesying in the name of the Lord. They're doing mighty works in the name of the Lord. And he says, there's going to be many, underline that word in verse 22, on that day, many who did good works and spiritual things are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and look at what Jesus says. I never knew you. Not even, I knew you for a while and then you took a left turn there and I don't know what happened. I never knew you. Friends, this is so important because this is the picture that is given to us that just because we do religious things doesn't mean we're in the kingdom of heaven. Just because we go to church doesn't mean we're in the kingdom of heaven. Just because we do some good things doesn't mean we're in the kingdom of heaven. Just because we do good works in the name of Jesus doesn't even mean we're in the kingdom of heaven, according to this verse. And one of the things I want you to see, do you see why the road to destruction is wide? Because there are all kinds of people who say they're Christians. There are all kinds of people who say they believe in God. There are all kinds of people who are doing good things, charitable works. There are many who fall into this category of being generally good people, doing good things or laying some kind of claim to God or to Jesus or some kind of religious background. And here is Jesus saying, that's not what it takes. I think it then has this big question, well, then who's going to enter If it's not just calling on the name and saying, Lord, Lord, or even doing mighty works or doing good deeds, who then is going in, Jesus? I mean, wow, it seems like you just wiped everybody off the board. Well, look at it carefully what he says there. He says there in verse 21, at the end of verse 21, but the one who does the will of the father. The one who does the will of the father. So here's the picture. It's not about doing good works according to our will or doing what we think is spiritual or right based upon what we see or what we think. It is about determining the will of God and doing it. That's what he says. He says, don't just say it. You've got to do it. And don't just do a bunch of random spiritual good things. Make sure it's actually what God said to do. Make sure it's actually the will of God. Only those who are doing the will of God will enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, if all of that was mind-blowing enough, how this ends is stunning to me. Verse 23, not only saying, I never knew you, but listen to what he calls them. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, or some translations, lawbreakers. And I read that and I go, now, wait a minute. It says right here, they said, Lord, Lord, they prophesied in his name, cast out demons in his name and did mighty works in his name. Jesus, how dare you call them lawless or lawbreakers? Why would you call them that? How could they possibly be evildoers, lawbreakers, lawless people? Because this is the definition of lawless. They didn't act according to God's will. Sure, they're doing a bunch of stuff. But it's not what God said. Isn't that amazing? You're reading a paragraph of people who appear to be doing what God would want them to do. And yet Jesus says, no, they're not. They're not doing what I said. They're not doing what I asked. They're not following my commands. They're not following my ways. They're actually people I don't even know at all, even though they seem to be tying themselves to me. It is a stunning picture that Jesus lays out of the importance of seeking and discovering and following the will of God. Here's why that's important. We have an amazing tendency to do our will and call it the will of God. And it becomes my great justifier to do what I want to do. I'll do what I want to do. And at the end of the day, I'll say, well, I prayed about it. (laughs) Yeah, but was that what God said to do? Well, you know, I wanted to do this. and, And so, you know, it's okay, right? No, it's not what God said to do. You are getting a lens here of the importance of followers of Jesus that don't just simply say it and don't just simply do good things, but are actively looking at what does God want me to do? How does God want me to live my life? How should I be making decisions that reflect him? Not just simply saying the words. It is far more than words. And he gives us this great picture of how many are going to find this as he says that there. Many are the ones on that day in verse 22 who are going to hear these words from Jesus. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In a great illustration from verses 24 to 27. As Evan mentioned, if you grew up on the pews, you got to sing. The wise men built his house upon the rock and the rains came down and the floods came up and all of us kids loved it because we got to the foolish men because the house went smash and we tried to see how loud we could make the classroom at that moment smash. That's a story that he's giving here. He's giving a picture and he's asking a question. So he's asking, what kind of house are you building? And he starts off there in verse 24. The one who hears these words of mine and does them, is like this wise man who builds his house on the rock. Here is this wise master builder. Puts the plans together. He's going to build his house. And house is a metaphor for your life. I'm going to build my life on a solid foundation. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, the very next line is, your life is going to get hit by storms. It is absolutely inevitable. There is no picture in this paragraph where Jesus says, if you build your life on the rock, you will have no storms. You know, you just build it high enough and you're above the clouds. There's no problems, right? That is not an option. Storms are coming. And the imagery, verse 25, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house. All right. You ever feel that way? Oh, yeah. Here's life in a nutshell. You are going to have storms beat on you. And try to wipe you out. But he gives an important picture here that those who have built their lives, who have built their house on rock. He says, when those struggles and trials and storms come, your life is going to hold up. You're going to stand firm. You're going to be able to withstand. Now that tells us something really, really important right here. Listening to Jesus about how to build your life is so important. What he's saying right here is you need to listen to me. About how to build your life when it comes to your career. And listen to me about how to build your life when it comes to your marriage. And listen to me about how to build your life when it comes to being parents and raising children. And listen to me about what it looks like to to follow me. And build your house on the rug. When it comes to making decisions about your desires and your will and your ways and the ways of God if you want your life to withstand the storms, you have to make the decisions that follow God's will. Otherwise, it's not going to make it. I sit in a unique position that I wish I could tell you and show you how many times people have come to me with their life completely blown to bits and say, I don't know what happened. And it's not any fun to go, your life wasn't built on rock. You did what you wanted to do. You lived with what was right in your own eyes. The storm came. There's nothing left. And that's what Jesus said was going to happen. Because that's the picture. Look at the next verse, verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on stand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Notice the distinction. Be careful with the contrast. Notice the contrast is not Those who are the wise builders are the ones who listened to Jesus and the other ones are the ones who didn't listen. That's not the contrast. The contrast is those who were the ones who were the wise and built on the rock listened and did what he said. Notice in verse 26, these people listened. They heard it. It's not like they didn't know. They heard what God said And didn't do it. Notice we're back to the more than words idea. That's what's the thread through this whole paragraph. That they heard what God said. And you know what that they said? I'll do marriage my way. I'll do family my way. I'll do God my way. I'll live life my way. I'll do career my way. I'll make decisions my way. I hear what you're saying, but... I hear what you're telling me, but... And here's Jesus going, don't do that. Your life is going to be destroyed by the the storms when they come. I'm always amazed by this. It happens every hurricane season. We're about to all jump out the window. June's coming. Here we go again. Have you ever noticed that north of us, as was reminded us with the North Carolina home, and North Florida does it and other places do this, They build their houses with wood in hurricane places. I don't understand that. (laughs) And every year, some hurricane comes through there, turns it into toothpicks, and they're all amazed. And I'm like, you know where we all live, right? I mean, we're at the epicenter of this stuff. Hurricanes love the Gulf and they love the Atlantic. Here we are. And we're just stunned. How could that possibly be? I always appreciate what Dan tells me. We get cracks in our foundation. He goes, well, you know what the Bible says about building on sand. Here we are. (laughs) It shifts. It's not, not, not smart down here to be building. He's telling us something so important is that the hurricanes of life are going to come. It's as nonsensical as living here in Palm Beach County and thinking we will just never get a hurricane. It's just never going to happen. Of course we are. Of course we are. It absolutely is going to happen. And Jesus is saying it's going to happen. Why would we build our lives on sand? Why would we hear what God says and and go, you know, I don't think I need that. I'm going to go my own way and it's going to be all right. So Jesus is asking for some wisdom. He's asking us to think about where we are with God. And I want us to consider that this, I think, is one of the biggest reasons that we have. But Jesus says that the road is wide that leads to destruction. Because, friends, it is so easy to hear God's word and hear God's will and ignore it. It's just easy to do. It's easy to hear this and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then carry on with living life and doing what we want to do. It is hard to do what God actually tells us to do. It is hard to do what God actually tells us to do. In our marriages, it is the hard work to do what God says to do in your family as fathers and mothers. It is hard work to do what God says to do in your friendships. It is hard work to do what God says to do in your community to shine as the people of God. It is hard work to do what God says to do. When you're at work, on the job, under pressure, it is hard to do what God says to do here as the people of God in in, in this room. It's hard. It is just easy to ignore it and go, that's too hard. I want to be comfortable. I want it to be convenient. I want to be easy. And I don't want to do that. I just want us to hear what Jesus is saying. And I hope that this picture of catastrophe that Jesus is using will resonate within us. In verses 21 through 23, he told us that you will experience eternal loss. Many are going to come to me and say, I know you. And Jesus says, I don't know you. I never knew you. Depart from me. And not only is he describing an eternal loss, he's even describing at the end of this chapter an earthly catastrophe. Here's the picture. Jesus, as he ends the sermon, if you don't listen to me, you're going to wreck your life here and miss the life to come. End of sermon. That's how he ends it. If you don't listen and do what I say, You're going to mess up your life here and you're going to miss out on the life to come. Don't be the foolish builder. And that's how this all starts when he comes back here in verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and there are those who enter it, and they are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. I hope you'll hear this. Two key points to take home with you. Number one, Jesus is telling us there's no shortcut to the blessed life. How did this whole sermon start? Back in chapter five, verse one. Blessed are those, and he just starts laying out the blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are mourning over sin. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Here is this grand picture of the blessed life. And there is no shortcut to that blessed life. There's no shortcut. There is only the hard, narrow road to have the blessed life. And it's not easy. And it has to be a willful decision. A decision within our heart and in our lives to say, I want life. I want that life abundantly, and when the storms come, I don't want to be obliterated, so I want to put in the hard work. You do not want your life to be a house of cards when the hurricane of life comes. You don't want what you built on to be simply a little bit of wood and a little bit of straw and a little of this and some duct tape and we'll just kind of stick it all together and then here comes the storms. You know the storms are coming and you know that we must all stand before God as these verses describe. You do not want the life that's going to get blown down. And if you've done any... Homes around here and you watch them being built. What are they always built out of? Is concrete. Everything here now. Concrete. Concrete everything. Concrete walls. Concrete beams. Concrete everything. Why? It's a lot of hard work. Let's just get some duct tape and plastic and, you know, it'll be great. It'll be fine. Now, you know it won't be fine. Nobody wants to live in that. You know it's going to come down on you. And friends, you don't want your life to come down crashing down on you. Choose the hard path. Do the hard thing. Do what God's will is when it comes to following him, to serving him, to worshiping him, to living for him. Make the hard choices. To go the hard path because that's the way for eternal life, and that's the way for your life to stand up in the storms. If we don't, we will be like Jesus says with a life that f- fell hard. And Jesus said, I told you to listen to me. I tried to give you life, I tried to give you direction. I tried to prevent you from that disaster. Let me end with one final thing. You know how many times we look at God's laws as trying to keep us from fun, keep us from life, keep us from enjoying, keep us from all the good things. You know, God's God's the cosmic killjoy with all of these rules in here. He's just, you know, all that stuff. You hear what Jesus is saying? Actually, I'm trying to keep you from pain. I'm trying to keep you from disaster. I'm trying to keep your life from being wrecked. I'm trying to keep from that collapse happening. I want you to build on rock. I want to be solid. For when the storms come, you will withstand. Your faith will withstand. And most importantly, you'll have the life of eternity with God. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is... um, It is so easy for us to try to make easy decisions and not do the hard things that you've asked us to do in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. We sometimes want a shortcut to the blessed life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make us aware of when we are doing that. Make us aware of when we are choosing the wide road and not the narrow road that you've put before us. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for the times when it has only been words. We've said we're followers, but we haven't followed. We said we're believers, but we don't believe. We said that we are disciples, but we don't walk behind you. So Lord, forgive us for all the times that we've done that. And Lord, I pray that you would give each of us wise hearts, enlightened eyes so that we would build our lives on the foundation that you have given us. Lord, I pray that we would seek your will, that we would seek your ways. And Lord, help us to be strong when the path that we are going down to life is hard and we have the tendency to want to quit. Lord, give us the strength that we need to continue forward. Give us the encouragement we need. Lord, pick us up and push us on and encourage us to continue to make the right decisions that are according to your will. And Lord, I pray that you would keep us in that place, walking faithfully behind you, serving you all of our days. Lord, as we think about where we are in our lives, we pray, Lord, that we would do far more in following you in the days ahead. And Forgive us for the shortcuts that we've made in our lives. And Lord, we want strong lives. We want strong houses. And so help us make those decisions in our families, in our marriages, in our community, in our lives around us, on on the job, with one another, with our friendships, that we will choose to make the right decision to follow you and be the people that you want us to be. Help us, Lord, in that effort. In Jesus' name, amen. That's tough to go against culture. It's tough to go against human wisdom. It's tough to go against our own personal desires. We want to do what we want to do. And Jesus is begging us that we would come to him for that blessed life, to listen to him. Friends, that is one of the great aspects of what Jesus is asking for about faith. To believe that God's way is better than ours. To have the faith that his direction and his will is really the way we ought to go. And he's calling you to faith this very day. To believe in him with all of your heart. Turn away from your sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. To choose a life to follow him this very day with all of your heart. We would love to help you in that. You can let me know, let somebody know around you, or you can come forward now as we sing this song. will you stand and sing?